Welcome to another episode of It Takes a Village, a podcast of Healing Hands International based out of Nashville, Tennessee. My name is Taryn Foster and I'm joined by my co-host Mark Gent. Taryn, we have another great guest on the podcast today. We've been really yeah. blessed with a solid lineup of we guests. We really have. And we are so appreciative for all of them. But we have a familiar name, familiar face on the podcast today around our office, and hopefully for a lot of our listeners, Mr. Walt Lever mm-hmm. is uh, on the pod today as our guest. Uh, he's a longtime administrator at Lipscomb University. He's been the pulpit minister at Brentwood Hills Church of Christ for many years, and he just has a lot of uh, great experience and um, life wisdom to share. So Mm -hmm. I'm super excited for y'all to listen to this one. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Walt Lever. Well, Walt Lever, welcome to It Takes a Village podcast. Welcome. What a treat to be here. Thank you very much for the invitation. Well, we're so excited. We've been talking about wanting to have you on and we uh, are just excited to have you. I'm personally just excited to have a good friend and somebody who I've known for about 25 years. I think I met you my sophomore year of college. You got to Brentwood Hills in 97. 97. Which would have been my sophomore year of college. And uh, I'm just so grateful for you and um, how you loved on me and encouraged me back then as a college student. And um yeah, I've got a story I'll share later. Well, about you're that. a great you're a great friend, and uh, it's an honor to be here with you today, and then with Taryn as well. Yeah. Also, side note: '97 was the year I was born. <laughs> so <laughs> we play so, a game in the office, Walt. How old I really is Taryn? Appreciate when? that, Taryn. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I was doing, being born. <laughs> that's great. Well, for a lot of our listeners who've been tuned in now for the past year on It Takes a Village, they're going to know. Walt Lever, know the name Walt Lever. Uh, they're going to have heard him speak or preach or um, and through his various roles. But just to give you a little background on Mr. Walt, uh, you are a lifelong Nashvilleian. Uh, Walt went to David Lipscomb High School, then went on to David Lipscomb College. You're married to your wonderful wife, Carol, of how many years? We will celebrate our 47th anniversary next month wow wow and you've got four awesome daughters we are very blessed four awesome daughters and 11 grandkids we do we are very very thankful so each time we have somebody on the podcast that has 11 grandkids we have a trivia question we go first name (laughs) middle name birthday for all grandkids ready go Okay, you go right ahead. Okay. <laughs> I, oh, I should yeah. have brought that list, but uh, no, we are we are very uh, very thankful. We're actually in the process. Uh, we hope that God will uh, help work us through the process of adopting the number eleven. Wow! And uh, not not us, but one of our children. Yeah. And um, and we are we're blessed with uh, uh, I think six seven will be seven girls and four boys. If uh, we get if we get the, the yeah. uh, number eleven, but they are all precious and they're all priceless, and we're very thankful. Well, you've mm-hmm. got such a sweet family and such a large sweet family, and I love seeing um, and over the years just how much y'all love each other as a family, and um, 
have known your daughters for many years and and your son sons-in-law well those those daughters have have a great mom and uh and she's done a wonderful job raising them carol is her name and uh we met when uh, i was a junior she was she was a sophomore at lipscomb in english literature class and i needed some help with beowulf and uh <laughs> who doesn't and honestly who, that's right it had Be- had beowulf you know, been more interesting to me. I might have never met Carol, there but you go. Uh, but but I started looking around and I wanted to get to, to know her. And uh, God has taken it from there. Beowulf bringing people together, marriages lasting decades. That's right. Mm-hmm. We're That's... we're very thankful. Uh, so Walt works two jobs. He's the VP of University Relations at Lipscomb University. You've been there since 1994. Um, we'll get into all of what that entails, but really, uh, your office. Uh, you are a huge uh, event planner for a lot of things that go on on campus that are outside of athletics, but graduations, the recent inauguration, concerts, fundraisers, you name it, it falls under Walt's office and uh, has for years, and you've done a, a marvelous job, and you have a legacy there on campus that um, just has now uh, coming upon three decades. Well, it, it's been a blessing because I love Lipscomb as – you know, a lot of folks like yourself and myself have had great experiences there, have great friendships that were established there. And uh, I'm very thankful for Lipscomb. I'm thankful that I have an opportunity to work there on a daily basis. And the events that we do, uh, we try to introduce the community to, uh, to what Lipscomb has to offer by, bringing, by allowing them to come to campus and giving them a, a great experience and um, and so it's 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 been a real treat to get to be a part of that. Thousands of people a year visit campus for special events that fall into your office and um, are introduced to uh, not only campus but oftentimes Nashville for the first time. Well, we're 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 thankful that we get to be a part of that. And uh, Lipscomb is a very uh, hopefully will always be considered to be a very hospitable place. And uh, you've been the minister at Brentwood Hills Church of Christ since 1997, which we're going to talk about because Healing Hands has had a strong connection to Brentwood Hills from the beginning, and we're going to talk about that after a while. And you've just been involved in so many things in the community um, over the years and serving on boards and uh, the Stevens Trust, uh, Nashville Inner City Ministry, Tennessee Prison Outreach, YMCA Foundation. Uh, just thank you for what you give to the community. Thank you for giving back and um, just the influence that you have in the nonprofit sector in, uh, in here in Nashville. Well, you're very kind to, to say that, but uh, what I do is pretty small compared to what a lot of people do. And, and uh, But we have a great community and uh, a lot of a lot of wonderful things are kind of incubated right here and develop and and uh, it's just exciting to see some of the things that go on in Nashville on a regular basis and uh, it's a blessing when God le- allows us to be a small part of it and what and just think back to when you were a kid how much our city has changed <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's 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 quite a bit different just not just when we were kids how about just 10 years ago yeah true it's uh it's changing rapidly, and I think more change to come. And we just uh, we just hope and pray that we will use the opportunities God is giving us in uh, in a place that is growing to uh, to really 
think big about how we can make an impact for the Lord. And Walt, I also hear that coming up in a few months, you have your 70th birthday coming up. Happy early birthday. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. (laughs) It's very hard to believe that I'm that old. I don't feel that old. Well, sometimes I do, but, but, uh, but it's, um, that's, that's a lot. That just seems like a long time. You're a young and spry coming up on 70 year old. I can remember when I used to think 70 year old people don't need to be driving, don't need to be doing anything. I, I think 70 is, you know, maybe the new 40. I don't you, know. It's, it's it the is. midpoint now. Yeah. <laughs> it is. So I know we've touched on this, but can you talk about being a girl dad? I have a, my dad is a girl dad too. So I relate to girl dads. Well, God, uh, you know, I, I went into it. If you had asked me before any of our babies were born, I said, sure, I want boys and girls or whatever. Right. But God gave me the extra blessing by just mm-hmm. just having girls, mm-hmm. and uh, I love all four of my daughters uh, with my life, mm-hmm. and uh, all of my granddaughters, but also my grandsons. And I will tell you, God has blessed us with uh, maybe the four best sons-in-law uh, that you'll find anywhere. Every one of them is a grand slam home run. Even and Justin Bagwell. Even Justin <laughs> and all the rest, uh, Tom and Brent and Seth and Justin, yeah. uh, they're all incredible guys. They are. Wow. And they all love the Lord and they're raising their families and they're, they're just, just, they make me very proud. They, I'm proud to be called their father-in-law. So Walt, there's a lot of just great stories about you. And, I mean, we, we won't go into all of them on It Takes a Village. And just there's a lot of kind of, what would you say, myths around Walt Lever. Um, but one of those is your sleep patterns <laughs> and your sleep habits. And it's just legendary what, what I would call how, how little you sleep. I mean, you work two jobs, one in higher education, one in helping minister a large church. Uh, you unequivocally make family a priority. Uh, you're on about 55 different boards and community <laughs> involvement. But l- let's just talk about how much how much sleep do you, question one, how much sleep do you get a night? And question two, let's really talk about what time do you get up in the morning? Well, I love mornings. And uh, uh, I, when I was in high school, I carried a morning paper out. And I realized mornings, it's just a, it's just a great time of day. Mm-hmm. And it's quiet, and it's it's wonderful, and you can get so much more done. And so I like to I like to get up early, and uh, and I but I I not much at night. I mean I get uh, I get pretty tired at night, and uh, when everybody else is just kind of kicking into gear, I'm ready to go to bed. But uh, you know I'm I'm doing great if I get five or six hours of sleep. But, uh, <laughs> Whoa. So. I could never. And does the alarm go off, or do you just wake up on your own? It's about half and half. Yeah. Uh, most actually, most of the days, I'll wake up. Any just the body clock will say about three fifteen. They'll say it's time to get up. Okay, three fifteen. No, I, I don't. Time I don't. The, the, the alarm is set for three thirty. The alarm is set for three thirty. Yeah, it's set. And sometimes it, I get up a little bit before that, but that. But you know, I I'd probably go to bed at seven thirty if I could at night. But uh, but I know you don't because sometimes you have events till eleven. I know that happens. <laughs> so do you still get up at three if you have events till eleven? Well, sometimes the body clock's just as old as I am. <laughs> I mean, and it's, it's you know I I can I'll just kind of wake up and there's no need to just waste the morning there laying in bed. So. You right. get more done between three thirty and eight o'clock 
when most people get to work than like well, I get done all day. Yeah. Well, I it's just it's just the it's just the best time of my day. Yeah. What's your morning routine? Like, well, let's talk about what's what's your morning routine at, when you get up at three thirty. Just well, give I'll, us a snapshot on a on an ideal day. I'll spend a little time just kind of uh, checking on personal checking on personal things. Just maybe maybe uh, clean up the dishes from the night before or something to to kind of it's kind of like uh, is it Mc, Mc, Craven that wrote the book, uh, Make Your Bed, the, mm. the Navy SEAL guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, uh, you can't make the bed if somebody's still sleeping in it. So uh, that's, that's not a good challenge. idea. But <laughs> but uh, you can clean up the kitchen, and you can load the dishwasher, or you can uh, take the you can unload the dishwasher and whatever. So I like to do, I, you know, it just helps me to get the day started doing something that and maybe kind of catching up on emails and things like that. And then... The, the best time of day, and I wish I could say I do this every single day, but that would be stretching. Uh, but on an ideal day, I would like to go to the quietest place in my house, and I've got a place that is just very quiet in our house, and uh, spend about an hour in my journal and in the one-year Bible. And uh, my personal I mean, I've, I've, I, we've done one-year Bible three or four different years at both Antioch and Brentwood Hills. But now I just, I still use the one-year Bible, but I don't insist on reading every single day. If I happen to miss a couple of days, I don't go back and reread that. I just look at the day of th- that I'm having. Like uh, on this particular day, I turn to that particular day in one-year Bible and read that. And then in my journal, I try to write down every day one thing that God told me that day mm, and then good. and and then I kind of I kind of use that it, it's amazing how many times that'll come up during the day or usually you know during that week somehow I'll find a way to use that in a conversation because God I think God speaks to us clearly through his word but we've got to listen we've mm-hmm. got to want him to speak to us ideally uh, I'll do some exercise, you know, maybe go for a walk, uh, at my advanced age, it's, I'm limited on, you know, I don't, I don't do the things I used to, used to say I ran, I never ran, but I jogged, but, uh, mm-hmm. now I'm doing good just to walk, but I'm very thankful for that. And, um, but if I can do that and spend some time and, uh, if, uh, if, if you've got somebody that you need to see in the hospital, that's a, and, and, uh, you know, usually, it, it just depends if uh, if you can get there, say, early enough in the morning, and, and not not before the sun comes up. But I'm talking about if it's somebody that's getting ready for surgery or something, though, and you can go by and maybe have a have a word and a prayer with them. Uh, it it just there are all kinds of things you can do in the morning. Mm, that's great. Three thirty, Taryn. Three thirty. New life goal. Don't show up at the hospital at three thirty. You won't get no, no, in. No, 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 not hospital. <laughs> just waking up in general. Just, yeah, in general, yeah. I wish I could do that. My senior year of college, Walt invited me and Kyle Stevens and John Cantrell and I think Sam Crutcher to do a Thursday morning Bible study. And I thought, oh, this is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, then he said, be at my office at 6 a.m. <gasps> no. And as a college student <laughs> at 6 a.m.? I mean, it, the, but that was some of the most sweetest and greatest moments in being able to spend with you and you kind of walk through 
uh, scripture and just mentoring us and loving us. I'm still good friends with those guys today. But you, that's when I learned that by 6 a.m., Walt's raring to go. He was mm-hmm. up and He's been ready up for three hours. You'd already visited Norm Fox, and uh, <laughs> you were bringing us uh, Fox's Donut Den. And it's, so. it's a good time of day. So, as Mark said, you've been at Brentwood Hill since 97 and Lipscomb since 94. Correct. So, you've been working two jobs for a long time. So, the first question is, why two jobs when either one could possibly be enough for most people? And how do you balance everything while also doing two jobs? Well, I'm I'm fortunate. I, I didn't, you know, I probably would not be brave enough to apply for either one of those jobs because I don't feel that qualified to be a <laughs> school administrator or to be a, to be a knowledgeable preacher. But, uh, but by the grace of God, uh, I was, I was offered those opportunities. And when you love what you're doing and you're working with great people, um, I, I, I don't know, God, I, I just, I just love what I'm doing. I look forward every day. And, uh, and so I'm very thankful for, uh, uh, being able to work at Lipscomb and uh, being able to work at Brentwood Hills, which, and also I had 21 wonderful years at Antioch. I was going to say, yeah, you're uh, rare where you had that long at two different Wonderful churches. for me. I don't know about them, <laughs> but uh, it was wonderful for me. So how do you balance doing, working two jobs like that in all of your other commitments? Well, of course, uh, Sundays are pretty committed to, to where, where you're preaching. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but uh, you just kind of, you just, you have, I'm blessed to have very good people around me who help me to stay up to, up to date on what it, whatever it is that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I enjoy what I'm doing. And, uh, and so I don't know, you just do what the next thing is and, yeah. uh, just try to keep a list. Well, let's go off that. When you think about, I mean, your, your favorite aspects of each one of those, and I'm sure it's hard to narrow it down from, uh, dozens to just one, but when you think about your favorite aspects of being a minister at Brentwood Hills, what would that be? Well, I love to, um, you know, I, I enjoy seeing people get excited about the Word of God. Now, they I can't help them get excited about the Word of God if I'm not excited about the Word of God. And so, uh, you know, just going through the motions, uh, I mean, which I guess we all do from time to time, but it's when those mo- when those mornings, those when I can have that quiet time in the morning, and God has really told me something that I had never noticed before, or uh, and I, I can't. It's like I'll make a note in my journal, and I can't wait to find an opportunity to share that, mm-hmm. and uh, and so uh, and and to work it into a sermon, or 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 when you have an opportunity to visit with somebody and encourage them, and um, and you know, I, I want to uh, I want to do what whatever God gives me the privilege of doing of, of being a light and shining the light and letting people see Jesus. And you know, uh, I know how weak I am. I know that I am certainly a sinner, and I've certainly fallen short. But uh, I just uh, I'm if if here's here's the thing, Mark. God proves if I can do anything good, anybody can do anything good. I mean, because uh, God's been so good to me, and and I don't deserve I don't deserve the privilege of being able to preach the gospel. I'm because you're stepping on holy ground, and why God has been so good to me to allow me to do that, 
I have no explanation for it because I'm not all that smart, but, uh, but I'm just uh, very thankful to, uh, to have the blessings and the privileges and the opportunities that he's given me. Well, yeah, you, you not being smart is definitely debatable, but you're very <laughs> humble in spirit. And so many people are so grateful in how you've raised them and strengthened them in their faith over the years. And what about when you think about Lipscomb? What's a favorite aspect of your job at Lipscomb being on, uh, being on campus? Well, of course, on a campus where I went to school as a student, where I met my wife, where uh, our, our children, two of them met their husbands at uh, Antioch, and uh, two of them uh, uh, met their husbands at uh, Lipscomb. And so, uh, so I'm very thankful for, uh, for just lip, what Lipscomb means to our family and uh, now have some grandchildren that go to, ch- to school there. And, uh, and I work with people that are, that are truly friends. I mean, I, that I, I'm very thankful that, uh, I mean, to be able to work with people I really enjoy working with, enjoy being with. And uh, so, and, and doing things that, you know, you really believe that you're doing things that point people in a better direction for their lives. Mm-hmm. And um, well, speaking of church and your longevity, you have a unique career. We meant, you mentioned just a minute ago, 21 years at Antioch. You've been at Brentwood Hills for 25 years. I mean, your, your tenure as a preacher, um, that that's very rare in this day and age, and especially in a culture and society where uh, I was reading research the other day, the, the, at, the ministers on average stay at a church five years or less. And you have blown that mold out of the water. What would you say, um, what has been that reasoning and that secret for you and long tenures at two different churches here in town? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer for sure. I don't know what the secret would be. I've had at both places the privilege of working with wonderful congregations very, very good elderships, and uh, and they've been obviously very patient with me because I'm, uh, you know, I've certainly got my own faults and my own failures, and uh, and so uh, Jim Bill McIntyre, who's kind of my preaching mentor, I was privileged to grow up at the West End Church of Christ, and Jim Bill McIntyre was and was just such an important part in my life, but he, I remember he said when you go to preach when he told me when I started preaching at Antioch, he said, what a preacher needs to do is place membership. Now, first, I didn't know exactly what he was talking about. But he said, you don't, look, you don't ever look at a church as a stepping stone to another church. You go in and you say, this is where I'm going to be a member. This is where I'm going to invest my time. And this is, I'm not going to look at this as the next step. And, you know, I, for all I knew, uh, I could have stayed at, I mean, I, I mean, in my heart, I went to, uh, actually when I was preaching in college, I was preaching down in the country and I said, well, I guess I can be here for many years. Cause I just, I was just enjoyed being everywhere because you, you become a part of that congregation. And I think that's, uh, that's been a blessing that we've been in a situation where, uh, we, we consider that to be a high priority and God has blessed it. So uh, let's get into the tie between Healing Hands and Lipscomb. So Healing Hands started at Lipscomb in 1991 uh, in a marketing class with Dr. Randy Steger. 
Um, and we so we've always had this synergy and this close connection. In even a few weeks ago, we were at the inauguration of Dr. McQueen. So we were at campus as students filled buckets for Ukraine. So you were actually on Healing Hands board back in the day. So what do you remember about that? How did you get involved? Well, I got involved uh, through Randy Steger and uh, I think through, uh, uh, it, it may have started with Summer Celebration, which was kind of the Lipscomb mm-hmm. Lectures and uh, and uh, Healing Hands would host a luncheon, sometimes do it in partnership with Disaster, Churches of Christ Disaster Relief. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and I had the opportunity to kind of tell a little bit about the uh, the story that I'd learned from from Randy Steger. He was the marketing professor, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was one of the projects, uh, and and so it was so appropriate during the inauguration. We had uh, a big student day. The, the inauguration was on a Tuesday, and then Wednesday was a day when they, the students just had fun all day long. But they also did a service project. And they filled up, as as you know better than I do, a thousand of those five gallon buckets, mm-hmm. and uh, and people since then have have. In fact, I've heard President McQueen say, uh, I've talked to people and said, "What is your favorite thing about Beautiful Day?" And they said it was filling up those buckets, Aww. and uh, and I think there's a reason for that. I think that that's the reason people get back from mission trips sometimes and say, "I just went on a mission trip and it was the best experience of my life," mm-hmm. and. Uh, it was the best vacation we've ever had. I've heard people say that after when they took their whole family. The kids would say, that's the best vacation we ever had as a family. Mm-hmm. Because that's how God created us. He didn't create us to be selfish. He created us to be lights. He created us to share with other people what God has given to us, to be good stewards of our blessings and of our mm-hmm. of our talents and of our resources, etc. And so... When we, when we are involved in doing things for others, especially when it's in the name of Jesus, we don't need to be surprised when God blesses us with joy and peace and patience and love. And, and, and he says, give and it will be given to you. And, uh, and that's what Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. And he says, if you do that, I'll be with you always. He says, I'm going to go with you every step of the way. And what, what can be better than to be a companion of Jesus through this life? Because we desperately need him. But, but if I'm looking out for myself, God says, well, why do you need me to look out for you? You're trying to do it yourself. Right. But, uh, but I just think that, uh, and that's the reason I'm excited about healing hands, because you, you know, no, nobody out there could have come up with all the stuff, the, the planning and everything, and the transportation for those buckets if you all weren't the ones to kind of come up with that plan and then help to, and, and, and that, that happens. I've told Mark that I've, and I don't travel nearly as much as, as a lot of people do on mission trips, but I have been well, one time in Guatemala to uh, Clinica Ezel, and, uh, and I remember when they opened that door on that storage and everything in there, every, all, the, all the supplies they had came from one place. Healing hands. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, if you didn't have healing hands, if there hadn't been that marketing class, maybe God is kind of like Mordecai told Esther, God will raise up something from somewhere else, but you're going to not be blessed. But, but you know, healing hands stepped up. And, and uh, so I just think that there is such a, uh, such a powerful impact upon 
the hearts of people who are open to taking the step of faith and go on mission trips and then Healing Hands provides the places and the resources and the plan and the support and et cetera. I think that uh, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting to see when all that comes together. And I think for us here in the office that um, day after President McQueen's inauguration, it was coined a beautiful day. It was a little bit of a full circle moment because Healing Hands was uh, started at Lipscomb, as Taryn talked about, and it was started as a response to a crisis in Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. And here we are exactly 30 years later, um, and we're back on campus helping respond to, you know, now we're locking arms together, right. responding to, unfortunately, another crisis in Eastern Europe. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we appreciate that so much. Right. And actually that day we had students get back in line several times with the buckets and do it over and over again, which I thought was really neat. It, it really was. And it was, it will be something that they'll never forget. Well, we partner, we've talked about Brentwood Hills and our relationship with Healing Hands, and we partner with a lot of churches, uh, both locally and across the country, but we have this special close relationship with Brentwood Hills. Um, You know, one of it may be proximity because of here in town, but then also just some common core values and beliefs in reaching out to those um, who who are in need or in who, uh, you know, that we can help together and just as we were talking in the office the other day and preparing for the podcast like we've got uh, so many connections we've got a couple of people on staff here who go to Brentwood Hills and Joe Smith and Angela Bell and our very own Kristen Harper who produces this podcast grew up at Brentwood Hills Uh, we've had several board members come from Brentwood Hills Bert Nowers, Jeff Whitehorn, Bruce Beck Margaret Perry, yourself, as Taryn mentioned, and then just so many different ways that we partner together. And there are Brentwood Hills people in our office every single week. Um, volunteers, um, uh, they do Magi. You guys helped with the Ukraine Family Bucket Project. Uh, they were telling me uh, just how much uh, you guys have supported our Women of Hope Conference. I think about 10 years ago, um, after Sarah Walker had passed away, Healing Hands honored Sarah at the Women of Hope Conference one year, and you and I are both very familiar and, and know her story. And there just continues to be, you can see the list of between shipments right. and relief efforts and supplies, and it's just, it, it's a... a the phone lines are, are burning between our two places. <laughs> well, uh, and that's between what those here and with Jonathan Seaman and yourself. And um, one of the great connections is at the Nairobi Great Commission School. You guys mm-hmm. support that. And Ebenezer, who works for us, offices out of uh, the Nairobi Great Commission School uh, as our director of African agriculture. Um, just talk for a minute about, from your perspective, um, just about that relationship and you know it's not um you know we're all just vessels in how god is using us but uh we are so grateful and appreciative of the leadership and all the members of brentwood hills and how they pour into this ministry well uh and this this doesn't have anything to do with me but brentwood hills long before i was there was was a congregation and still is and hopefully always will be a congregation that reaches out 
that looks for ways to shine the light, that looks for ways not to, not to put the resources that God has given us, don't put that under a bushel, don't put that under a basket, but let that light shine. And, uh, and you mentioned, you know, people who, who lead with their examples. And, uh, and, and so it's, uh, it's very, it's very much something that, in fact, for years, uh, groups have gone every summer to Honduras and now groups go to Honduras and Guatemala. Now we've got groups, usually several groups that go to, uh, the Baja and, uh, and that, and I'm, and we're hoping that that's going to increase because as we said, people go on mission trips and it changes their lives, but there's still probably a number of people at Brentwood Hills who haven't yet had that experience. And our goal is for everybody to have that experience. But in the meantime, one of the phrases that we use every now and then is make every day a mission trip. And, uh, and because you have, you have great time on mission trips, why not have great time every day and, uh, and look for ways to shine the light, whether you're in downtown Nashville or in downtown, uh, wherever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, uh, partnership between the two, um, you know, it's only a couple of miles between our office and your, and your church. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, we keep the roads roads and the phone lines uh, burning up hot between the two because of uh, just how we lock arms. And we're so grateful. And and Brentwood Hills is just one of many churches that we have a strong relationship with. But uh, we just want to acknowledge and honor that today and say thank you. Uh, Mm -hmm. Thank you for that service that you provide us and for how it impacts thousands of people around the world. Um, I like to say whose faces you'll never see and whose names you'll never hear. Um, well, you all are doing a terrific job, and uh, and every time that uh, that I come by this office, I, I mean, I, I see and look on your website. You see the expansion and the growth and the vision, and the way that uh, you're following through, and you uh, you make it uh, more convenient for people to take that step of faith. And uh, it's kind of like you're helping people out of that boat in the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the storm to walk to Jesus. And you're kind of kind of helping them to see how to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and then all of a sudden they experience and they say, wow, this is fantastic. You know, so, as, our, as the name of our podcast. It takes a village. It does. So it's obvious that Lipscomb and Brentwood Hills are huge communities that make up villages of their own. But for you personally, we like to ask all our guests, who is your village? Well... I think uh, my village, and I want this to always be the case, is the uh, 21 members of my immediate family. And uh, my four daughters, my four sons-in-law, my hopefully 11 grandchildren, and my wife. And uh, uh, we we realize as wonderful as, you know, we, we are so thankful to be a great part of, of you know, have a great family. God's family is, is great. Uh, part of that village too but but it, it begins at home and mm-hmm. uh, and we we cherish that relationship that's great you have such a great uh support system and family that you can always go to for things they that's put up awesome. with, they put up with a lot for me <laughs> yeah well just as we close out um just give our listeners an, an idea for for walt lieber what energizes you what refreshes your soul? Well, uh, I get I get excited when uh, when I feel like God's telling me something that 
is specifically pertinent to something uh, in my life that particular day. And when I can spend those moments, those quiet moments, and, and really hear God speak, uh, that, that, that energizes me for that, you know, for a long time. And uh, I can yeah. remember some things that I, I remember one in particular that I learned way back in November, and I hadn't, it hadn't left my mind yet. So, uh, but out of the book of uh, Ezekiel, mm. and so it's it's exciting when you when you read the Bible all your life or a lot of it, and uh, and then all of a sudden you see something you've never seen before. It almost makes me want to be a morning person. Try it. Almost. I would l- almost. <laughs> almost. Thou persuadest me to be a morning person. <laughs> Taryn, I'm going to challenge you. Wake up at 3.30 one day. 3.30, go on a walk, you get don't have my to, chores you done. Don't go on a walk at 3.30. I do not <laughs> recommend not. that. So, Walt, tell us about your favorite scripture. Well, if I had to pick one, um, I don't know. I can't get away from Philippians 2 mm-hmm. uh, because it, it's what I need to hear daily. Uh, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he, and here's the, here are the three words, he made himself nothing. Mm. And uh, you see, it didn't say somebody else made him nothing. He voluntarily and intentionally took the lowest seat, the lowest place. And it wasn't because, you know, he was, he was forced to do that. And, and that's the thing. If, if, if we take the initiative, how can I take the lowest seat? How can I take the position of it? Because he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. I think that, that passage gives the perfect outline for relationships, it gives the perfect outline for a marriage. It gives the perfect outline for a for a happy life, because he says, "What?" It says he he became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Well, what did he do? He took the blame. Mm-hmm. He wasn't to blame, but he took the blame. Mm-hmm. And you know, we 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 destroy relationships. People destroy families because you know nobody's going to take the blame. They're always going to point the finger at somebody else. And Jesus came along, and and he truly was innocent, but he truly paid the full price. Mm-hmm. And so then he says, therefore, if you follow the example of Jesus, therefore, God highly exalted him. Because people say, well, I'm not going to take the blame because people will run over me like a steam, you know, steamroller. And he says, no, no, they won't, because he says, therefore, God highly exalted him gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I just think Philippians 2 is, I mean, so many times I say, man, I am, I am not, I am not uh, following the example of Christ. I do not have his attitude. But I need to have his attitude. I need to say, how can I put myself in the position of a servant? You know, hum- being humble doesn't mean you think less of yourself, but it's just you think of yourself less. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not you put yourself, oh, I can't do this, I can't do anything. That's not being humility. Sometimes it's a false humility. And, uh, but, but when we stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking about others. Well, you are such a great um, preacher and teacher and uh, just minister of the gospel. And you've, 
dude, I mean, I'm not sure how many hundreds or maybe even thousands of sermons you've preached uh, over the course of your life. Maybe you do. Maybe you know how many it is, but it would be uh, definitely probably in the thousands. And and you're also such a great storyteller. Like that's one of the my favorite things whenever I hear you speak is you can tell a story like no one else, <laughs> and you can preach a sermon like no one else. And um, and out of you know I can think back to I was you know I got to know you in college and I came to Brentwood Hills during my four years of college and uh, it was December of 2000 and I can't remember if I've shared this story with you before or not I think I have but I'm going to remind you of it because I want you to hear the impact you had on my life it was December of 2000 and I was days away from graduating and I was 23 years old, and I found myself at this crossroads of transitioning from one chapter to another and trying to make a big decision. Um, I had a job opportunity here in town that was going to take me down the career path of what I'd wanted to do. And then I'd been given an opportunity uh, to serve three months abroad um, to go work with the church in a ministry. And I found myself so torn because... Um, uh, I just I, I don't I don't know that I had a right or a wrong. I just had two different options. And I remember that particular Sunday morning. I'm pretty sure it was the Sunday before I graduated on Saturday. And I remember being in my apartment that morning and I prayed, God, please show me what you want me to do. And I came to Brentwood Hills that morning and and you were preaching like always. And I can't say that I expected to show up and to be um, shown right then and there the answer to that prayer, but you preached on Matthew 9, 37, and uh, where it says, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And the moment you said that, I knew what I was supposed to do. Hmm. The moment you said that, like my decision was made because of how God was using you in that moment to speak to me. And, you know, everyone sitting there that morning heard the same message and they might have had a different path of where uh, their harvest was and where they would go serve. Um, But for me, um, that decision that I then made, thanks to your message, like sent my life on a trajectory that and instilled a passion within me and where I went to serve and um, the years that followed that, that uh, I'm not sure where uh, my career would have gone otherwise. I'm not sure where my faith would have gone otherwise. Uh, I don't think I would have fallen off the cliff. I'm not saying that, but like you, you took, you challenged me in a way um, that made it very obvious what that decision was that I needed to make. Hmm. And if I haven't ever thanked you before, I want to say thank you. Thank you for, you know, showing up on a Sunday morning and just preaching your sermon. And there's a 23-year-old college kid there that uh, was sitting there along with a few hundred other people, and you were just preaching preaching your message. And, um, yeah, you did. You, you put my life on a trajectory in that moment, along with a lot of other people that were leading up to it that um, might not have um, gone that way otherwise. And I thank you for that. Well, I'm, I appreciate you sharing that. Thank the Lord for that. Mm-hmm. Because he, he, uh, he speaks through us 
and it's when when we listen to him that it that it really makes the impact and i'm i'm thankful he he spoke through me that morning to your heart and um because god definitely is using you to uh both yourself go and to equip other people to go out into the place where the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few and uh Praise God for that. Well, we are so grateful that you came on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for coming and giving us your knowledge and taking your time out to be here with us. It was great. You were very kind, and it's uh, it's been fun for me, and you all uh, are uh, doing a fabulous work. And uh, as they say in the book of Nehemiah, you're doing a great work, and you cannot come down. Well, you are too, so we really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Walt. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. Terry, what a solid conversation with Mr. Walt. That was so much fun just to hear about him growing up in Nashville and him professionally, but also just to hear about his love for his family. Yeah. And I think for me right now, as I uh, think about what all we talked about, 46 years at two different churches Mm -hmm. um, where he left an indelible mark on both, Uh, 28 years as an administrator at his alma mater at Lipscomb, a place where he uh, got on campus as a seventh grader when he was 12 years old, Mm -hmm. and that he's still making a difference today. But just more than that, you could tell for him and uh, Carol, how long they've been married, four daughters, uh, they have their 11th grandkid on the way, mm-hmm. and just thinking about the thousands of people who have sat uh, sat on a pew on a Sunday morning and heard Walt deliver a message. He's such a great speaker and a great teacher of the Word, mm-hmm. and uh, I just think about uh, all those thousands of people who have been drawn closer to Jesus because of him. Mm-hmm. How about you? What are your mm-hmm. takeaways? Well, I met him today for the first time, uh, so that was really, really good. Um, he just has so much wisdom, and I just thought he was, he's just such like a jolly guy. I think jolly would be a good way to that describe is a, him. That is a perfect adjective for <laughs> Mr. Walt. Yeah, he's so jolly and just so kind, and um, I just love, I loved everything that he had to say. Um, you can tell he has a lot of love for people. He cares about relationships, and that's what it's all about. So um, I thought he was really, really good. Well, um, thank you for joining us here on another episode of It Takes a Village. Taryn, tell them how uh, they can find us, follow us. You can find us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, at Healing Hands INT, uh, and Twitter, at HHI Updates. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and share with a friend. And as always, a special thanks to Maeva for creating the original jingle and to Kristen Harper and Grace Boucher, who produces this podcast. And we want to end with our episode-ending shout-out is going to Chris Gannon. Chris Gannon. Director of Warehouse Operations and Mm -hmm. so much more. Chris is such a great team player here at Healing Hands. He makes sure our warehouse is in order. He takes Magi trips with me. He sends shipments all over the world all the time, and he makes it happen on a dime. He does. And he is a funny guy. He's hilarious. Very quiet at times, Mm -hmm. but very humorous. But when he does talk, 
We love it. Yes. It's hilarious. Thank you, Chris Gannon, Thank for you, Gannon. all that you do. You're awesome. All right. Until next time, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. See ya.